0: Last time we got together we talked about Mark chapter 4 the parable of the sower and we got from first 29 verses. Now the quick part of it five things Satan has that he uses to steal the word. The, the sower sows the word. These are the ones where the word is sown. Affliction persecution, the deceitfulness of riches, lust for other things, and worries and anxiety. Uh, all five of those things are his weapons. Now we're going to move into some other parts here and you're going to see this in actual uh, actual action. <laughs> best way I can put it here. Let's go to verse 30, the parable of the mustard seed. To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we compare it? So he's going to tell you right here how the, par- how the kingdom of God operates. Okay? How this is what Satan's trying to disrupt. Okay? He's getting ready to tell you how to do it. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground is the smallest seed on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all shrubs, shoots out great branches so that the birds of the air may nest in its shade. Now, the, the key thing here is it's not the size of the seed. The mustard seed at, at, in that time was the smallest seed available. Now, the smallest seed that I know of today is for bent grass. That's what they make putting greens out of. Man, it is small. But it does the same thing. Fescue, which is a grass grown a lot in Athens, Georgia, where I live, is a huge seed, but they do the same thing. You plant it, it grows. You water it. So it's not the size of the seed, it's the process that follows up with the seed that makes the difference. You've got to have water, you've got to have nutrients, and you've got to have sunlight, and you've got to have the proper medium for it to grow in. Well, the medium is your heart. The, The proper seed is the Word of God. To water it, and give it sunlight, you need to spend time in the Word, prayer, and talk to the Lord about it. And he gives us tools to resist the enemy, but we don't use those very well sometimes. But he does give them to us. We'll talk about them uh, at a later time. Now, what about the other parables? What about the, What's the use of parables? Well, he tells us here, with many such parables, he spoke the Word to them as they were able to hear it. Now, he was the one that said if you don't get this parable, you're not going to get any of them. That's in verse 13 of chapter 4. He's told other parables that are going to build on what he's already talked to them about in the parable of the sower. So without a parable, he didn't speak to them. So, if they want to understand what he's talking about, they've got to understand the parable of the sower. Now, it's very clear when we get over into Matthew chapter 13, you'll see many of the other parables that he talked about, and you're going to see how they relate to the, to the word and the parable of the sower. Now but when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. Now isn't this interesting? because he tells them tells these parables. he tells them at the beginning, he says, "I'll explain this stuff to you and when they get done, they ask him about them. And he gives them further explanation. Would you like to be in the boat and hear some of those explanations? Uh, But he spends time with them, and he tells them that. Now, we come into one of the more dramatic stories in the New Testament. It's not really a story, it's an event. This is an actual event. Let's go down to to Mark chapter 4, and let's look at verse 35. The calming of the storm. And I'm going to read all the way to verse 41, again, from the modern English version. That same day when the evening came, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. And when they had sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat, just as he was, and there were also other little boats with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves splashed into the roof, so that it was now filling the boat. He was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. They woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He really rebuked their lack of faith, although I don't see this as a sharp rebuke. I see it more as a question, where was your faith? And he didn't like it, but I didn't see this as a rebuke. A lot of people do, but I didn't see this as a rebuke. I see it more as a question, where was your faith? Why didn't you have any faith? Now, it's interesting, verse 41, they feared greatly and said to one another, what kind of man is this, that even the wind and sea Obey him. Now, let's unpack this story a little bit because this is the parable of the sower in a nutshell. One little, one little event. This is the parable of the sower. That same day, when the evening came, he said to them, "Let us go over to the other side." That's the word. That was the word. The seed that they had. Let's go over to the other side. Now, notice very carefully. He doesn't say. Let's go over to the other side and we'll sink halfway across the middle of the lake. He didn't say that. In fact, he went to sleep in the back of the boat. I'm sure it was nice when they started out, but at some point, man, the, the deal was on. Okay? Now, a lot of people ask, why was Jesus asleep in the back of the boat? The usual answer is people are tired said he was tired. I'm sure he was. I mean, that's. if you look at the guy's itinerary, you can see why he would be tired. But I like what Bill Johnson said about this. He said, In Jesus' world, there are no storms. I like that. I like that a lot. He's not worried about anything. He's already said what he's going to do, and he's headed over there right now. So, let's look at this. He said, When they sent the crowd away, they took him in the boat just as he was. So, he just... He crashed in the back of the boat. There's a great windstorm arose. Now, where did the windstorm come from? It came from Satan. We know that in just a minute. We'll show you. If you go down to verse 39, it says, He rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. The, the phrase, peace, be stilled actually come across in the Greek as be muzzled. It's only used twice in the New Testament. Jesus uses it both times, and it's pertaining to demonic issues. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 25, uh, a demon came out and and started acting up, and Jesus said, Be muzzled. In other words, shut up. Stop doing what you're doing. So, the idea that this this storm was sent by God is ludicrous. Uh, Jesus tells you, be muzzled. This is the same thing He says to other demons that are trying to destroy Him. Remember, the purpose of the Word, immediately Satan comes to destroy you. He comes to steal the Word. What was the Word? We're going over to the other side. Now, think about... Be in this boat for a minute. Just ask yourself to be in the boat for a minute. The boat is probably, I've seen some descriptions, probably 30 foot long, 25, 30 foot long. Um, and there's a bunch of people in it. And this storm hits, and these guys are professional fishermen. They've been on this lake their whole lives. I don't know how old they were. Let's say they're in their mid-40s. Well, 20, 20 30 years they've been on the lake. They know what storms are. This is one they've not seen before. It the Amplified Bible says this storm was of hurricane proportions. So this is a this is a bad storm. This is one that they're going to die in if something doesn't happen. Now, in the middle of that storm, what should they have done? Jesus asked them, uh, Where was your faith? Why don't you have any faith? What could they have done to have avoided that him saying that? Could they have bailed harder? Don't you think they were already bailing? Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. Another two buckets a a minute isn't going to make any difference. Could they have rowed harder? I doubt it. They probably rowed as hard as they could. Their arms are aching now. And all they're doing is sink. The boat's filling with water and they're sinking. So they're facing death. They are facing death. And Jesus is asleep in the back. I heard one guy say, Probably the smartest thing they could have done to avoid the rebuke is just sit there in the boat, let it sink until the water hits Jesus, and then let him deal with it. But their response, not a bad response. They went to Jesus. got—you Give them credit for that. They went to Jesus. They just asked him the wrong question. He just spent the whole day telling them to not to care about things. And the question they asked him is, don't you care that we're drowning? So uh, he gets up. And does the one thing that everybody in the boat thought he would do, which would be get up and speak to the wind and rebuke the waves. No, that, nobody had that in their mind. There is a million ways for Jesus to do things. and You can probably only think of three. Whatever the deal was, they did not consider him standing up, rebuking the wind and telling the waves to be quiet and bang, the whole thing happens. Right away. So he turned, and what's their response when all of this gets stopped? Said they feared greatly. Says that they feared greatly. Fear is one of the wep- weapons the enemy uses. You can see it over and over in this country. Satan has used fear about COVID, he's used fear about the government. He uses fear about everything. That's his, that's his ace in the hole, fear. In some ways, you could say that uh, Eve was moved by fear. She was afraid she wasn't going to get everything she needed. So, think about this for a minute. Just think about Put yourself in that storm and see what it is that Jesus did and ask yourself, how would you have responded in that? And what storms are you in today that are like this? Is it COVID? Uh, we've had friends. I got sick, very sick with COVID. I have our our, our best prayer counselor. She's been knocked on her backside because of COVID. Um, she's got all kinds of problems. Uh, COVID is definitely, it's an issue. There's no doubt about it. And fear of COVID is one of Satan's great weapons that he's working on today. Now, chapter 4, the whole story in chapter 4 is about Jesus telling you how Satan operates. Please don't forget that. God sows the Word, Satan comes to steal it. It's not God trying to teach you anything. It's Satan trying to steal the Word. Okay? Now... Let's roll over to chapter 5 and see where was Jesus headed. Where was he headed? Well, chapter 5, let's look here at the, now there's there's 20 verses that cover this, but let's go down and let's look at the first group of, of, of uh, scriptures in chapter 5. They went to the other side of the sea of the region of the Gadarenes, which is where... Satan was trying to keep them away from here. He was throwing everything he had. He he threw a Hail Mary, you might say, in football lingo, to stop them from getting here, but they couldn't do it. Satan, with a hurricane, could not stop Jesus from getting there. So they land, and what happens? They went to the other side of the sea of the region of Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat, immediately a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could constrain him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he had pulled the chains apart and broken the shackles to pieces, and no one could subdue him. Always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Uh, This guy is out of control. He's, 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 um, he's, break, he's, he's got superhuman strength. He's breaking chains. They can't get him under control. Okay? But when Jesus saw him, verse 6, afar off, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran up and kneeled before him and cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. First of all, the arrogance of a demon to do to say that after what he's been doing, what they've been doing to this guy for, for however long it's been, just aggravates me. It just, it just aggravates me that they do that. But anyway, but Jesus said to him, "Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, "What is your name? Now this is an important part. He answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him repeatedly not to send him out of the country. Now, it's interesting, this is a territorial, seems like a territorial type demon. John Paul Jackson talks about territorial demons. And when you look at it, uh, you know, we have... Principalities and powers in the air—they were trying to stop Jesus with a storm, and now they get over here, and you've got legion, and says he doesn't want to be taken out of the country. Now, there were legions of angels—or pardon me, legion of demons—in this guy. How many is a legion? Six thousand? Five thousand? So you've got—let's just say it's six thousand. 6,000 demons could not stop this man from running to Jesus. Satan cannot stop you. He can trick you. He can hit you with the five weapons that he has. But he can't stop you if you've got a mind to get to Jesus. Now, there was a great herd of swine feeding near the mountains. All the demons pleaded with him asking, Send us to the swine so that we may enter them there. At once, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, ran wildly down a steep hill into the sea where they committed sausage side, right there. So you got 2,000 pigs that run down off of a cliff and drowned themselves. Pretty dramatic. And the, the, the pig herders that were there saw this. They didn't like it. It said, those who fed the swine fled and reported into the city and in the country. So see, another act that Jesus did, we get people running to tell about it. This is uh, texting back in the day, you might say. Now, said so they they came to Jesus. People came out to see what happened. Verse 15, they came to Jesus and saw him who'd been possessed with the legion of demons sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were afraid because there is nobody that can do what's happening here except Jesus. Not this has not been happening before. This guy's been living in the, in the cemetery for years. There's nothing that's been happening that's like anything they've ever seen before. Now, one of the more interesting things that he said that happens here, verse 16... Those who saw it told them how it befell him who had been possessed by the demons concerning the swine. So they told him, Jesus saw this guy, spoke to the demons, they left, went into the pigs, and the pigs went down over the hill. Two thousand pigs, that's a pretty hefty load of business. Okay? Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown, and what's one of the things he uses? The deceitfulness of riches. He's tell, we're seeing an economic disaster here for these people, 2,000 dead pigs. Okay, So they're scared. They don't know what to do. They haven't heard the message that he told this man later. They didn't get a chance to hear what he said. But look what they said in verse 17. Seventeen is Verse 17 to me is one of the most tragic verses in the New Testament. They began to plead with Jesus to depart out of their region. Um, That's what the United States has done. We didn't plead with Jesus to get out of the United States. They just kicked Him out. They've kicked Him out of everything. The government, uh, abortion, everything. They just told the, the, the United States, the government, those in power have basically told the Lord, and the church has gone along with it, we don't need you. We'll figure this out on our own. That's what's going on. Now, what happens when they tell him that? When he entered the boat, who had been possessed with the demons prayed, that he might not be... What happens here is Jesus responded to their request. He left. He didn't argue with them. He didn't tell them anything else. They asked him to leave, and he did. We'll see this again and again and again. Jesus responds to what it is that people tell him and ask him to do. Take Peter in Matthew 14. He's a, he's in the boat. Jesus comes across and he is a ghost. You know, they see him. And this is an amazing part of that story. They're in the boat. This, this isn't a flat level water. This is water going up and down. They see him walking. I don't know, was he on top of the waves? Was he hanging ten? I don't know what he was doing. But he walks up and Peter says this, If it be you, bid me to come. Well, what's Jesus going to say? No, it's not me. Was Peter ready to do that? No. But Jesus responded to what he asked him. He says, bid me come if it's you. And he said, okay, come. Peter does get out and walk a little bit. Until he figured out he couldn't do that. And then he he sank again. And when Jesus gets him in the boat, what is it he says to him? O ye of little faith. He doesn't say no faith. He says little faith. So we've proceeded from Mark 4 where there was no faith. At least in Matthew 14 we saw little faith. So back to Mark 4, back to Mark 5 though. It says when he entered the boat, those who had been possessed, he who had been possessed, prayed that he could go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And how he's had compassion on you. So he departed and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis with what great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed. Now, the thing about the Decapolis is that's a big area, a ten city area down uh, southeast of where they were. And so Jesus, that guy goes down to the to the Decapolis. Other people hear this and Jesus crosses back over the over the, the ship to the other side. Now, from the beginning of uh, the last part of chapter 4, verse 35, up to chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus has just zeroed out Satan's plans. First thing happened, he threw a hurricane at him. He stopped that. He gets over here in a territory that they didn't want him in. The people don't want him there because... There's principalities and powers that we're fighting and they're stopping. He runs into a 6,000 legion of demons and he gets rid of them. Then the people ask him to leave, so he leaves. And he swings back on the boat and goes back to the other side. You can see the parable of the sower beginning to work. He spoke to the, to the lake. He spoke said, we're going over to the other side. Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Now, we're back over here, coming back. Let's go down to verse 21 in chapter 5. When Jesus had crossed again by the boat to the other side, many people gathered to him. They're all over the place trying to see him. Why they didn't go over to the other side, That probably that storm stopped them. They said, well, we can't get out there. But Jesus got, managed to get across. Now he comes back and the people are gathered around him and they're crushing him again. They're crushing him again. Now we're going to run into one of the great stories in the New Testament, one of the great events, is the story of Jairus. Now there's a couple of things. Jairus is taught in Matthew 9 and Luke 8, like I said before. And let me give you the rundown on this thing. Jairus is running the synagogue. He's the head guy. I don't know how many people are in the synagogue, but there's thousands of them. are a lot of Pharisees, you know, scribes. And there's a lot of Pharisees and scribes that don't like Jesus. They're trying to kill him. They are they they don't like what he's doing. He's already, uh, he's already thrown off uh, their their wineskins, you might say. He's upset their apple cart. He's bringing a new teaching that they don't like. But Jairus, his daughter, is sick. So the head of the synagogue, and nobody's going to argue with him, the head of the synagogue... Ask Jesus to come to his house, and we'll read this later. Ask Jesus to come to his house and lay hands on his daughter so that she'll get well. What does Jesus do? He responds to go with him. On the way there, they run into a little woman that's got an issue of blood and has had it for years. Find out that she spent everything she had on doctors and still didn't get any better. A lot like today's, medicine was expensive, but they didn't get well. She comes along and she interferes in the story. Jairus, to his credit, doesn't say a thing. Um, And we're going to deal with this. We're going to look into this in great detail. So, before we come the next time, you should spend a lot of time in, in Mark. Read Mark 4 again and read Mark chapter 5 and ask yourself, where is it that the Holy Spirit is moving? Where is Satan attacking What is Jesus saying? Where is the word being sown? What's the response? All of these things are critical as we get into this. Now, I want to go back. I want to say a couple things at the end. Let me pull out my notes here. Um, How you receive the word of God, Uh, this is right after, I'm, I'm bringing this up right after the calming of the storm. How you receive God's Word, you receive and act on it, will determine your level of harvest. The decisions you make about the Word you hear will determine whether you're successful or not. If you say, well, I'm not sure I buy into that or not, well, then you're probably not going to have much harvest. But if you jump into it with both feet, there could be a, good, a big harvest coming. could be some storms coming, but there could be a big harvest coming. Your results will be measured by the attention you give to what you hear. So, if you hear a word from the Lord, and you give attention to it, and you decide that's what we're going to do. Like if you're in the boat, and He says, let's go to the other side. Okay, great. When the storm comes, you'll probably get nervous. It won't be easy. But you can remember, well, He said we're going to the other side. He didn't say we're going to sink. So, let's go to the other side. Now, in Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Jesus is telling everybody take care what you listen to. You can't listen to the garbage on the news. You can't listen to all the the uh, bad news that's out there. Well so and so here. We got this, we got that. We got this, we got that. The economy's going down. The covid's killing everybody. All of this stuff Cities are burning over here. This is happening over here. If you pay attention to that and let it seep into your heart, Satan will steal what the Lord said. But what it says here, you can't expect to grow strong in faith if you're listening to doubt, unbelief, and fear most of the time. You can't do it. It won't work. Okay. Now, one of the things that Jesus does is he speaks the end result. This is one of the things we're going to learn as we need to speak the end results. Peace be stilled and muzzled. He's talking to the storm. In Matthew 21, 19 uh, and uh, uh, Mark chapter 11, we see the story of the fig tree. Jesus speaks to the fig tree. Tells it to die and it does. Uh, then He speaks some other things about speaking words of faith. And um, uh, Proverbs 18, 21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now I want to leave you with these two verses that are critical. Matthew 12:34 through 37 actually. O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word you speak will give an account for on the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. Look forward to seeing you next time on on Mark chapter 5. Father, thank you for this time together. I ask that this word uh, goes forth as seed and bears good fruit in the lives of those that heard it. In Jesus' name, amen.